Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're just going to read a few verses because we read others as we go on. From verse 10. We had last week of them writing all these scriptures on their foreheads and on their arms and on the gateposts. So chapter 6 verse 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not and houses full of all good things which thou, thou fillest not and wells digged which thou diggest not vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not when thou shalt have eaten and be full then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Isn't that interesting? You know, I think this is a very practical couple of verses here because it exposes a trap into which many people can fall. You know, isn't it wonderful how relevant the Bible is? It's bang up to date written hundreds of years ago and yet there's a message in this for us in the 21st century as her coronation the queen is presented with was presented and that coronation the monarch is presented with a bible with the words from the archbishop of Westminster here is wisdom this is the royal law these are the lively oracles of God. And they present this Bible to the, 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 the Queen. And it's the old authorised version. And it says, here is wisdom. It's wonderful wisdom in the words of Scripture. That the lively oracles of God. It's not dead. The lively oracles of God. And here we come to these people. They were standing at the threshold of the door into the promised land. Just about to enter. And what was there to look forward to? They had been told it was going to be a land full flowing with milk and honey. And there are about five or six things we have in these verses. Six, five I think altogether. That they could expect when they went into the promised land great and splendid cities which you did not build houses full of all good things which you did not fill cisterns wells which you did not dig vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and abundance to eat great blessings from God and you know they were going to be given to them freely they weren't going to have to work for it and that is a good example of grace God's grace the abundant grace of God given, going to be given to these people G-R-A-C-E 
we say it's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we obtain grace from God. And you know, there's a lesson here. These people were getting those five things because of God's grace. And we as believers, when we come to Christ and accept Him as our Savior, we accept and we receive the grace of God. We deserve punishment, but God acts in grace towards us because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 By the grace of God Paul says I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain. Well, he realized that he received grace from God because he had persecuted the church but God had bestowed grace on him. And there are various things about grace that we learn from scripture. Peter says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We have been given the grace of God that has been bestowed upon us. And he says, be a good steward of that. You have a responsibility. Because you have received grace, you have to declare and be gracious to other people there we have received abundant riches from God from the grace of God I read just Ephesians 1 verse 6 and 7 to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace And it goes on in verse in chapter two and verse seven that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Through the death and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive abundant grace from God. Because of God's grace, being accepted in Christ and justified, we become heirs of eternal life. Titus 3 verse 7 it says that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life we're heirs of eternal life through the grace of God and so these people were receiving these wonderful free gifts from God and we have received these wonderful free gifts of grace of God through grace now go back to that list in those verses in verse 10 Uh, it starts off with the various things which God said the Jews would have when they went into the promised land great and splendid cities which you did not build way back further in the Old Testament we read that Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God he had come away from his 
idol-worshipping relations and had come to Canaan. And he looked for a city whose builder and founder was God. You know, we have a residence in the city of God. We now, they desire a better country that is an heavenly one. Oh yes, we desire a heavenly city. Wherefore God is not ashamed to call them, to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. God has prepared a city for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. We've said that before. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 it says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God has prepared for us a city. Hebrews 13 verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for we have here no continuing city, but we seek one to come. As the Jews waiting to go into the promised land, they were promised a city. We who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have a city. We seek one to come. Jesus said, what did he say before he left his disciples? In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. What a wonderful promise. And he is at this very moment building and preparing that place for you and for me. And when it's ready, he'll come and get us. The second thing that they had was houses full of all good things which you did not fill. They were going to move into these houses and they are going to be stocked. Their larders were going to be full. They were going to be fully furnished. It was a wonderful promise that they had. And they were getting this through the grace of God. I thought I'd read Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 and verse 14. I'll read it in any case in case you don't want to turn to it. Ephesians 3, 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. That's the basis of what God is going to give to us. Grant us according to the riches of his glory. That abundant riches of God. And that's the basis, it says. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. These people had no idea what these houses were going to be like. But God said they were going to be wonderful. 
And God has prepared something for us. It says, Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or can even think according to the power that worketh in us, according to the power of his Holy Spirit. We read that Jesus Christ being come as an high priest of good things to come. Oh yes, there's a wonderful future for you and for me. Perhaps in this world things may go be hard and difficult as they were for our Lord Jesus Christ but he is preparing a place. He is the high priest of good things to come. We're no more strangers and foreigners. We're part of the household of God it says in Ephesians. They were being given a household full of good things. But we have much more. We are part of the household of God. And in the household of God we have an abundance of all for our life. For this life. And in the life to come. You know it says the next thing was that they were going to have wells which they didn't dig. Or cisterns which they hadn't made. In Jeremiah we talk, uh, the Bible speaks and God speaks of those who sought refreshment in the gods around them. Other gods. That's what this whole thing I'm telling you about is happening in the churches. They're going after other gods which are not gods. They're demons. But we read, what does it say in Jeremiah 2.13 My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. They're going after broken cisterns that can hold no water. And in Christ, you and me can have living water, abundance of living water. You remember the story of the woman that Sykers well? When Jesus sat on the well and the disciples went off to get some food and this woman came out and he asked her for a drink and she says, why are you a Jew asking me a Samaritan for water? And he said these amazing words. If thou knewest the gift of God, it was a gift, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water Jesus gave her water that was not in the well she went away singing she came back bringing others for the water that was not in the well Jesus still gives water that is not in the well to those who come believing and his word receiving he gives the heavenly water that is not in the well we used to sing it in Sunday school. Refreshing water for a thirsty, parched world. A world that seeks to build their own systems. And they wonder why they are never satisfied. We go on. Wells that they did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which they didn't plant. 
vineyards and olive trees which they didn't plant. You know, there's a wonderful psalm. Turn to Psalm 104. It's, it's one of the most descriptive psalms, I think. It's a lovely, a lovely psalm. You read the psalm. When you go home, just read it through. God the Creator. Psalm 104. It's so descriptive of so many things, of daily life in an eastern country. You know, the, uh, how the water goes, the, the, the cycle of nature. Said they, they, they go up to the mountains, they go down by the valleys unto the place that thou hast founded for them. These are the waters. That thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart, and where the and so on about the trees. And I always love this bit. Um, Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein is all the beasts, uh, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth, creeping forth in the darkness of the forest. The young lions roar after their prey. And seek their meat from God. The sun riseth. They gather themselves together. And lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work. And to his labour. Until the evening. The whole cycle of work. And animals in the forest. It's, it's a super sound. But the ship's going off. But the verse I want to pick out. In all that is. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. God has satisfied us with all things, and provided the wherewithal for man to be totally satisfied spiritually. Man has a heart, mankind has a heart. Filled with sorrow and sighing. Man in this world has an aching heart. Speaking of a future, future time for Israel. God said in Isaiah 35.10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Man has a heart full of sorrow and sighing. Revelation 21. We look forward to the time when God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. The world has a sad and aching heart. But God can wipe away all tears from their eyes 
The other, the second thing in that psalm, that was wine that maketh glad the heart of man. Man's heart needs to be filled with the glory of God. B. Oil to make his face to shine. I was struck recently, in fact I, I mentioned it when I came home from the market a few Saturdays ago. People's faces are strained. When you look at most people going through our towns and villages and out, they're strained. You know, Shakespeare talks about shining morning faces. There are not many shining morning faces in this world, sadly to say. And if we speak to people, people have got dreary faces. And it's hard to make them smile. You know, Proverbs have a, uh, there's a Proverbs 25 verse 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Take a garment off somebody on a cold day, they leave them miserable. And that's like somebody who tries to sing to a troubled heart. We try to, to, to cheer people up just with nice sayings. It doesn't work. Psalm 38, the psalmist said, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. And when we have a troubled heart, it shows on our faces. We all know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the cupbearer before the emperor. And Nehemiah had troubles on his heart. He was worried about his beloved Jerusalem. And when he went in before the king, the king noticed. Because the troubles of Nehemiah showed on his face. The king said, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. His troubled heart showed on his face. And if you look around the world, there are lots of people with troubled hearts. It shows on their faces. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? When he bent down and he poured in oil and wine to soothe the, the wounds of the man who had been attacked. All around us, there are souls suffering from the evils of sin and the resultant troubled hearts. They need the touch of the Saviour's healing hand on their lives and the flowing comfort of the Holy Spirit to soothe and heal their hearts. Then, and then only, will their faces reflect the beauty of the Lord Jesus to others. As we said last week, the apostles who had been with Jesus, they were noted to have been those kind of people. It showed on their faces. Jesus is the light of the world, and we should reflect the glory of the light of the world on our faces. The last thing in those verses, the wine that maketh glad the heart of man, oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Bread which strengtheneth man's heart. There was an interesting verse I saw in Ezekiel 16.30. God asks, 
How weak is thine heart? How weak is thine heart? In Luke 21 we, have, we read of the coming time before the second coming of Christ to set up his millennium kingdom. It says men's hearts failing them for fear. People suffering from heart failure. You know, as we look out today on across the world scene, with threats of various forms of terrorist violence, violence on our streets, violence in the homes, violence between countries, violence, violence everywhere. And many people will say, if you talk to them, they've no heart anymore. I was listening to the wireless recently, and I think it was yesterday, and the program was about how isolated people have become in their own communities, away from becoming isolated from their friends, their neighbours. People don't want to get involved. They just want to go out, do their job, come home, and keep to themselves. I was just thinking talking about the Good Samaritan the scenario of the Good Samaritan but the scenario of the Levite and the priest walking by on the other side is something which would happen so easily in our, in our present world people don't want to get involved with other people's problems many elderly people don't open their doors after it becomes dusk they're isolated except for the TV and their cat or their dog. They have hearts which are weak and fearful. You know, we have a message for people like that. Isaiah says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. How? How can we tell them to be strong? It only comes about when their hearts have been changed when Christ dwells within us in the power of his Holy Spirit then his perfect love scripture tells us casts out fear and as we feed upon the bread of life his word then he strengthens us he comforts us and from then on we are never alone but we have his assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He strengthens us through his word. But you see, we live in a very materialistic world. And these few verses were written to warn the children of Israel of the dangers of this materialistic world. It's bang up to date. There is a terrible danger that we as Christians become bound up in this world's systems and culture. We're supposed to keep separate. But there's a danger. And God says to the Israelites, beware, beware. And he says that to us today, beware. Beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt 
from the house of bondage. Oh, you have been saved. Your sins are forgiven. You have all these promises and blessings which you have in Jesus Christ. Beware. Beware when you're comfortable. When you have all these material blessings that you are going to get when you enter the promised land. Beware when God has blessed us. Beware lest you forget God. Paul had this problem with his fellow workers. Colossians 4 and verse 14 he's, he's, he's commending, he's finishing off a letter and he's saying Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. That's lovely. These fellow workers greeted the people to whom he was writing at Colossae. In Philemon first chapter and verse 24 he says Marcus Aristarchus, Demas Lucas, my fellow laborers oh they were working with Paul and he was sending greetings through this letter from these fellow workers but look, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 for Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica Demas whom he had commended and sent greetings from in his two previous epistles Demas he says to Timothy hath forsaken him having loved this present world how you think how could somebody working with the apostle Paul get bound up in the riches and the desires of the present world it's a warning to you and to me in one of his next epistles yes, in 2 Timothy 4.16 just carrying on from what he said about Demas at his first trial at his first appearing in court all the brethren stood with him no no man stood with me but all men forsook me they had fearful hearts they weren't strong in the Lord and they forsook the Apostle Paul no man stood with him beware that's why it says beware our blessed Lord warned of this possibility as well speaking in Matthew 13 and verse 22 the parable of the sowing of the seed he that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful God wants us to be fruitful Christians make sure we're not choked up by the deceitfulness of riches and the care of this world may God help us to take on board this very practical lesson before us and that we may avoid this pitfall and just finally I want to read a passage from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 Philippians 3.13 I'm reading it from another translation so just you better just listening 
Brethren, I do not regard myself, it's Paul speaking, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself we look forward we wait for our saviour the Lord Jesus Christ may we be strengthened day by day by his word